increase, I must decrease. Okay? Sanctification. We become more and more like Jesus. We dump out more and more of this selfish stuff, this dirt. And so when we become a Christian, we're totally filled up. And then God starts helping us to excavate some of our heart. And it's great. And so let's say this is me, and my heart has now been excavated, you know, let's call that 30%. And so when I say at this moment, God, I give you all of my heart, in reality what I'm saying is, God, I give you all of the heart that I have available to me today, which is 30%. Because that's all the heart I have available. I can't give him what I don't have, right? I don't have this. I don't have access to this. It's still covered up in me. This I have access to. And so I say, God, I give you all of my heart. And this weed is really apparent. And it's sticking out, and it's nasty, and it's thorny, and it's gross, and I need to deal with that. And that's forgiveness, okay? And so we deal with this thing. And this particular one, we're going to say this was something that started happening in childhood and kept happening throughout our lives, and it's one of those through lines of evil that the devil keeps working through, okay? It could be rejection. It could be abuse. It could be whatever it is. Um, but something that's been there a long time, and so it's got really deep roots. And so, but we forgive all the way, like Luann was talking about, and then it's like, ah, right? We've forgiven. And this is now like, you know, the soil, the top soil. And we're like, yes, my heart is, is full of the Holy Spirit now. I've given everything to God. I've forgiven all the way. There's nothing left. It's so wonderful, and life is amazing after we go through that forgiveness process. But we continue walking with the Holy Spirit, and he continues this work of sanctification in our lives. And so he continues to help us to excavate our hearts to make it more available to him. And so let's say this is two years later. We have more of our heart to give to the Lord now. And so this is why God continually says, I want all of you, I want all of you, I want all of you. Because on any given day, all of us mean something different. The first time this happened, I was like 17 and God's like, I want you to give me your whole heart. I'm like, I already did that. I don't get it. And he's like, I need you to do it. And I'm like, I must have done it wrong the first time. But I didn't do it wrong the first time. I just only had this much. And I gave it all to him. But now I have this much. So I need to give all of that to him as well. And now I've got this much. I have more of my heart. I give it to the Lord. And it becomes really apparent that there's this nasty thing still there. I thought it was done. I thought it was gone. I thought I had forgiven all the way. Ah, the person walks in the room and all of a sudden, <clears throat> out of nowhere. What is wrong with you, oh my soul? Why are you so ticked off within me at yonder brother who I forgave? And then we went on a retreat together and everything was good and we've been friends and what is wrong? And all of a sudden, ding, it's there still. And the first 20 times this happened to me, um, I felt really terrible. I'm like, I'm the worst forgiver like in the world, because I forgave all the way. I was positive, and now I'm obviously not. And then it would happen again and again, and I was like, and the devil then came in with condemnation. Yes, you do suck. You know, you know how the devil <laughs> does. Anytime you think something negative, he's like, yes, <sighs> fan that flame, fan it. You, do, you are terrible. You're the worst forgiver ever. God will never forgive you. Um, but all it is is this. More of our heart is excavated. More of that thing is there. There was a deeper root than we realized there was, and so all we have to do is get rid of it again through forgiveness. And sometimes forgiveness is a one-time, okay, I mostly got rid of it, now I get to get rid of it again. And sometimes it's yet another layer by layer by layer, time-consuming, super annoying, like emotional thing, which especially us guys find super tedious, right? Um, and sometimes this is something that we're going to deal with till pretty much we've given everything to God. And that's the way some things are. And that's just life, okay? All we can do at any given time, all we can do at any given time is to say, all right, wherever I'm at, right now it's here. That's an amazing place, by the way. Very few Christians ever would get to that place. But that's our hope, is to be able to have a whole heart to give to God eventually, right? But if we're here and we've forgiven to here, that's what God requires of us right now. And in another few years, or maybe after we have kids, Things come up about our childhood that we thought were gone. How many people have experienced that? Every person who has children is the answer. <laughs> you have kids, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, all this stuff from my own childhood I thought I had dealt with or let go or whatever, and now it's there again. That's just this. It's just life. It's just the way it goes. So don't feel condemnation if you feel like you've forgiven and it comes back. 
or if you feel like you always have more to give, um, because this is just the way it works as we follow the Holy Spirit and as we um, continue that process of sanctification, which is a cooperative process. Justification, our salvation, is not a cooperative process. That is a God-alone process. He adopts us because he loves us, and that's all there is to it. We don't cooperate with God for our salvation. We're not saved by works, right? We're saved by faith. But sanctification is a cooperative process. We need to work with the Holy Spirit to give him more and more of our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. And the more we do that, um, the more like Jesus we become. And we can do it. Everybody can. The Bible promises us that we can become more like Jesus, that we can have the mind of Christ. All these things are promised to us in the word as we cooperate with it. And forgiveness is no different. If you want to open up to Matthew 18, we're going to look a little bit at this passage again. But I want to start off with a couple things. Um, Just to clarify some of the questions and things we talked about from last time. So forgiving someone doesn't mean, doesn't mean that what happened was okay. Saying I forgive you isn't you saying what you did is fine. It's not fine. Okay? Whatever they or he or it did to you was not fine. Forgiving isn't about saying it was actually okay to do that. Not at all. It's about saying, I'm going to let you off the hook here. That's what forgiveness is about. Even though you owe me a debt, I'm going to forgive the debt. And that's the metaphor here in Matthew 18, is owing debts. And that's what, that's what happens in our life, is people start to owe us debts because of things they did or didn't do, and we feel like they owe us something. And they do. It's not that they don't. So forgiving doesn't mean what happened to you it was okay. Also, forgiving someone doesn't mean you should keep letting it happen to you. Okay? Um, If someone is habitually doing something to you that isn't right, you need to confront that person and say, this is not good. Please stop doing this. It hurts me, whatever. Um, That happened to me in college. I was uh, in a season where I was dealing with a lot of stuff just emotionally about my identity and who I was and related to my medical condition which I have very, very sparse hair, which I now cut to make it not an issue. But in college, I didn't do that yet because shaving your head as a white guy was not yet considered okay. Um, and so um, my, one of my really good friends used to occasionally poke fun at me for my hair. Now, guys sometimes poke fun at each other, and it's actually a form of affection, which women tend not to understand at all. But it's a true thing. Like, we're too macho, we can't show real affection, so uh, you suck, you're, you're an idiot. Your mom just called, she says she hates you. I mean, like, we say weird, dumb things and make fun of each other, and that's kind of like how we show affection. I don't know why, I think it's probably something that was polluted at the fall. But, but we do that, okay? And so my friend was doing that, and he honestly didn't mean to hurt my feelings, but it was genuinely hurting my feelings, okay? So this happened, and I was hurt, but I forgave, and, and that was good. But then it happened again. And then I was like, ah. So I forgave again, and then it happened a third time. And then I was like, okay, God, you know, are you, like, using this to, like, mold me or something like that? And he's like, I will use it to mold you, but you should also talk to him and tell him to stop doing it. Because it's clearly going to keep happening because he doesn't realize that it's wrong, what he's doing. He was just clueless, okay? So I talked to him, and he was super apologetic. He felt terrible. He cried. Um, yeah, it was this whole big deal. Um, but, but it stopped. It stopped happening. And then a year later, it happened, like, again. And I'm like, remember that talk we had? And he's like, ah! You know, and then he felt super bad. Um, So in that case, it was just somebody who was clueless. He didn't mean to hurt me, but it happened. And it was real, and it really did hurt. And that happens all the time, right? Things outside of our control, maybe no one meant for it to happen. Maybe it's just the way it is. But something happens, and we do need to forgive in those instances. But if it keeps happening, we should talk to that person, okay? Don't let someone keep punching you in the face. That's just silly. Um, next, forgiveness is between you and God, not you and the other person. It seems like it's about you and the other person because of whatever happened or whatever they did, but the forgiveness process itself takes place between your heart and God. The heart of God working on your own heart to soften it, to clear that junk out. That's what the forgiveness process is. It doesn't actually have anything to do with them. You don't need to interact with that person to forgive them. Okay? Um, 
once you've fully forgiven them, you could ask the Lord, would it be appropriate for me to go talk to this person about what happened? And the Lord might say yes, or he might say no. But um, resist the urge to go and talk to that person before you've fully forgiven them, because I've seen this happen many times. I used to do this. I would go to the person and say, just so you know, I really forgive you. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, you did this thing, and I just want you to know that I forgive you. Well, I didn't know it at the time, because I wasn't self-aware enough of my own heart, but that was a very selfish thing for me to do. What I was actually doing at that moment was getting revenge. I was sticking it to him by letting him know that he hurt me. But by the way, I'm super religious and more spiritual than you, and I'm going to forgive you, even though you were so dumb you didn't even know you did something terribly sinful. Okay? So let's resist the urge to do that. You don't need to go tell the person you forgive them. Now, unless if they've been asking you for forgiveness, if they're like, I hope you can forgive me someday, something like that, then yeah, when you're all done, pray and ask the Lord if it's the right time and go and tell them that they're forgiven, yes. But for people who are unrepentant or clueless, you don't need to go talk to them unless the Lord tells you it's okay. And that's after you're done with all the healing stuff so that it's not an issue of, am I seeking revenge right now? You're like, no, I genuinely love this person and I'm not going to do it. Everybody with me? Uh, the heart is deceitful above all things, it says in the Bible. Our own heart will deceive us sometimes and give us impulses and ideas like, you should go and confront them and let them know you forgive them. That would be the holy thing to do. When in actuality, you just want to see them squirm because that feels good because they hurt you. Right? And I'm not saying that desire for revenge is something that you should never have. That's often a part of forgiveness, but it's in the process, Okay. And we want to work through it so that that goes away. That's part of what we give to the Lord, that desire for comeuppance, that desire for revenge. We give that over to the Lord. And eventually he'll take that away. And we may be in a place right now where we're like, God, look, I'm really trying to forgive, but honestly, I want to see something happen to this dude exactly like what happened to me. That's all I want to see. I just want to see your will prevail and him to reap what he sowed. That's all I want, Lord. Do it, you know? That, that might be part of your process in forgiveness, um, but that's what we want to try to give over to the Lord, okay? And so, but we can honestly say, Lord, I would like to see that happen. <laughs> Dump hot coals on his head, but help me not want that anymore. <laughs> Lord, help me not want that anymore. Help me want to give mercy to my enemies, so to speak. Help me want to give mercy to these people I hate. David, as you read the Psalms, is very honest He's not very religious either. He doesn't pretend he doesn't hate people. He hates a lot of people. And he's king. He knows a lot of people. The more people you know, the more people you hate. We have this religious thing. Oh, I don't hate anybody. You do. And we want to not hate them. And it takes the spirit of God sometimes to do that. It takes the love of God working on our hearts to get us to love instead of hate. To give us to show mercy instead of want to seek revenge. It takes God to do that. So we need to at least say, God, I honestly don't want to do this, but help me to want to do it. Help me to want to forgive. Help me to want to show mercy. Help me to want to not see him get his car smashed, like smash my car, whatever it is. Um, so forgiveness is between you and God. It doesn't matter if the other person is evil or just clueless. It doesn't matter if the other person is unrepentant or repentant. It doesn't matter if the person is dead or alive. The forgiveness process is between us and God. And so if it's someone who's long gone, we still need to forgive them. We can't be like, oh, it's done. Because forgiveness isn't the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation is when the relationship comes back and moves on in the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing. But we can't control that. We can't control reconciliation. We can't control when the other person is going to forgive. They may never. They may already be dead. They're definitely not going to now. <laughs> right? We can't control them. We can't control reconciliation, but we can control how we respond in our own forgiveness process, cooperating with the Holy Spirit to help us forgive and erase that need in our hearts. That's what we can do. We can cooperate with God. God does a lot of the work. And the more honest we are with ourselves, the more we realize God does like 99.5% of the work. All we do is sometimes say, ah, that's it. That's my awesome prayer. God, ah. great prayer. Okay, and because God understands all of that, all of the, uh, you know, and so does the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in groanings that are too deep for words. 
Sometimes there are things in our heart that are deeper than words. We might not even understand it ourselves. God, what is wrong with me? I'm messed up. Why am I messed up? I don't get it. We can pray, and the Holy Spirit will pray for us, through us, um, and help us to figure that out and cooperate with the Lord in what he's trying to do. And so whether the other person is clueless or not, we do our part. We do the forgiveness part, which is between us and God. Anne. Uh-huh. How do you walk out being forgiven by God and not being judged by God? That, that, that is a tough one. Um, God has a lot of experience with that himself because a lot of people blame God for a lot of stuff. A lot of people blame God for everything bad that happens to them. And so that's something that God experiences. And anytime God allows us to participate in something that he himself experiences, I think that's a blessing. Um, I understand if that doesn't give a ton of comfort <laughs> in the middle of your situation, but God fully understands what that's about. And Jesus fully experienced that. And I think you make sure that your heart stays clear and that you don't allow bitterness to come in or allow the unforgiveness to start rewinding because after a while, if they don't forgive, you get upset. That's natural. And so watching your own heart, continually giving it over to the Lord and then interceding for them and praying for them as much as you possibly can. And beyond that, there, I don't know what else I can say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're forgiven, and you can live clean and free, and I don't think you have to worry about that aspect of things. Because once you uncuff yourself to them, because for, unforgiveness is like you, you slapped handcuffs on you and them, and you're stuck together now. They control your life. They have a say in your life. And you don't want to give someone else control of your life, especially not a jerk who hurts you. That's the last person you want to give control of your life. And yet that's what we do. I'm not going to forgive you. I'm going to let it control me. And you slap those handcuffs on. If you uncuff yourself, you're uncuffed. If you've forgiven, you're forgiven. You're free. It doesn't mean it doesn't stop hurting the fact that they haven't forgiven you. Um, but you can give that hurt to the Lord, again, and just continually give it to the Lord. And he has a lot of experience with this. So he very much sympathizes with what you're going through. God gets a lot of hate, mm -hmm. a lot of hate. It is undeserved, completely undeserved. Mm -hmm. Jesus on the cross. I mean, so that is a big part of the suffering of Christ, what you're experiencing now. And so although that probably doesn't make you want to sign up for it, I hope that you can take the comfort that is in that because it's really there. I mean, that's one of the things Jesus is going to say to you in heaven is that you participated in the suffering of receiving blame and hate for something that was unjust. And I did too. And that's an important thing in the Lord. Give up your rights to get back at them.
Yeah. Keep really going. Go, oh, go ahead. I, no, keep going. Um, so heart, a heart is when we connect with God and others. And I think several months ago we talked about how you have to have purpose in your life. Where do you connect? You connect with God and others in the community of perfect union. And so pre-fall that was happening. And post-fall in the Garden of Eden, is there anything we all end up struggling with? Maybe fear. Mm-hmm. Fear is behind why we connect, behind everything, even rebellion, really. And what is that fear of? Mm-hmm. Our relationship with God and others is pushing it down. But between now and then, we are dealing with working sin. to re- we're working to restore that relationship. Yeah. And the quick thing I was just going to say is what's going to continue to do is talking on this will help us more and more in forgiveness. And I'm on this road to this 100% journey in is that love of God because the more we have, the more we are connected with God in our heart level, we have a sense of Somebody bandaging us, serving us, betraying us, killing and attacking and murdering, genocide, whatever, can't take away from God hasn't abandoned us and he will restore all things one day, but we are not the God who will do that now. Right. If any of that helps, that's mm-hmm. what I'm heart and mind is going to talk about all that. Yeah, and God wants this space to be filled with him, which I've colored it in white. Right, that's the sense of being um, and weakness, that's yeah. only from him. But if we've got unforgiveness, in here, it takes up a whole bunch of this space. And the more unforgiveness we have, the more space it takes up. And unforgiveness is one of those things that grows. It's like a cancer in our heart. It gets bigger over time. Time heals all wounds? No. The person who said that died very brokenhearted. Time does not heal all wounds. Not at all. Some wounds grow. They fester. If you get a wound and you leave it, it gets nasty. It gets infected. Pretty soon you get a blood infection. You die. Okay, it's not good. And so the longer you leave unforgiveness in your heart, the more it grows. And now this is all the space God has. This is all the joy you can have now. That's all the blessing you can walk in now, is that little bit, because this keeps growing and growing and growing in your heart if you don't cut it off at the root. It's not going to stop growing. I To the root of bitterness. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And that's that's what we need to be doing. I'm going to erase this because I don't want to leave us in unforgiveness. That's not fun. Okay. Um, but that's what happens if we, if we don't forgive. And again, sometimes it's something that we don't even realize we need to forgive, but it's there and it's filling our heart, and we end up feeling terrible. Our life ends up sucking super bad. Everything goes wrong. It gets worse and worse and worse, and we're like, God, what the heck is going on? And we pray and we pray and we pray. Save me. Help me. Come through. And God does it because he won't. If we're living in unforgiveness, he won't answer those prayers. He won't heal us. He won't come through. Because that's what it says right here. Jesus, Matthew 18. You wicked servant. Wicked's a strong word for someone who believes in God and has been forgiven by the blood of Christ. Wicked. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him over to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. That's what that is when your heart's filled with the green stuff. That's jail. It's like hell on earth. It's like you're in jail. Another word for it, as we talked about last week, is torturers. Hand them over to the torturers. So he should pay it all. All the debt he owes me. Till he pays all of it. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Meaning all the way. For real. One of the scariest passages in the whole Bible. Okay? This is bone chilling. If we let our heart grow with that unforgiveness, not only are we in hell on earth, tortured, God's not going to step in and save us. 
Now, he's not even going to forgive what we need forgiven in the meantime. If we don't forgive others, he won't forgive us unless we forgive from the heart, really get rid of it. Now, don't misunderstand here. God is very good, and as he sees that we are on the road to forgiveness and we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit, he forgives us. The forgiveness bank is unlocked, like our analogy from last week. And we can repent and we can receive forgiveness if we're on that road. But if we're not on the road to forgiveness, if we're not cooperating with the Holy Spirit, if we're just letting that stuff grow in our heart, then we live in this unforgiven state, this hellish torture jail state. And that's where we are. And we say, God, deliver us. And God says, I can't. You threw yourself in jail. It's super easy to get out. God, help me. I want to forgive. Ding. <laughs> but we have to work it. And so if we let ourselves get stuck somewhere along the process, like the hypothetical person I talked about earlier, who's trying to forgive but still really wants to see that guy get his, right? That, we're stuck at that point, okay? And that's not good. That's not good for our souls. And if we let ourselves stay stuck and stop continuing to pursue forgiveness, that's going to grow again. And we're going to be living in that tortured, hellish state again. Okay? He wants us to continue to pursue forgiveness um, until it's all the way done. And he's kind. He will, he will keep working with us, but the Lord will only heal us in proportion to how much we are forgiving. Because part of the forgiveness process is also receiving healing for the wounds that that caused emotionally, right? On our hearts. God wants to heal those. So us receiving healing is part of the forgiveness process, and we only get healed insofar as we forgive. If we want to stop the process part way, then we're going to be that healed. That makes sense, right? If we continue to pursue forgiveness to the point where we're like, I honestly don't want revenge anymore. God has cleaned that out of my heart, and I want the best for them. I am praying for this person, and I genuinely want God to bless this person. Okay? I, I see this person or hear about this person, and I don't have that anymore because I've been healed all the way. When we get to that place, which is where God want us to, wants us to get, um, we can receive all the healing that he has for us over what's been done. And it's, it's all a process. So we get healed as we forgive. We don't have to forgive all the way before we can get any of the healing. God is very much a, he'll heal us. Like the second we forgive, he desires to heal us right up to the limit of how much we can take, how much we can be healed. So with each line of that stuff we erase, God wants to heal that. Another line, God wants to heal that immediately. That's how he wants to work in us. But he's not going to take the stuff out of our hearts that we put in there of our own free will. He's, he's not, we're not robots, so he's not going to take us and flip us to forgive. We have to want that. If we say, God, I have unforgiveness in my heart, but I want to forgive, then he will help, but he won't force us to do something, right? We know that. <laughs> Absolutely. And th it always starts there. It all, most of the time, I mean, if it's something small, it's not a big deal. But most of the time when it's something big, it starts out with, God, I have to forgive. Jesus is clear on that. Jesus is clear that there's no room here for unforgiveness. I have to forgive. I know that, but it's dumb. That's stupid. It's a dumb rule. It is a dumb rule that I have to forgive. I don't want to forgive. And, and so sometimes we start out way back. We start out, Lord, you need to help me want to want to forgive. I don't even want to forgive. Not, I don't even want to want. I'm like nine steps back here. And God will help you. He'll help you every step of the way. He's very concerned and excited about you living in freedom. He wants that for you. He wants you to have a clean heart. He wants you to walk in forgiveness and blessing and life. He doesn't want you to be in that prison. And so he will help you every single step of the way. And it might take weeks. It might take months. But after continually praying, Lord, help me want to forgive this person and starting out praying for them, even if we don't really mean it, we're still going to pray for them. God does change our heart. And eventually we look back and we're like, whoa, I actually hate that person. I don't think I would kill them. I'd punch them, run over them once. But, like, you know, it's a, it can be a process sometimes. And I, and I joke, and I don't mean to make light of stuff, because I know some things are really horrible, okay? So when things are really horrible, forgiveness is really tough. But God is with us every step of the way, and he will absolutely help us. He will be faithful. God is faithful to help us forgive. So I want to I wrap up. Does anybody have a, one last thing to say?
Wow. Praise God. That is awesome. That is so good. Very well. Go for it. Mm-hmm. You have been to your roommate. And he was. Right. Okay. And he's continued to do that. You know, he's, he's you know, even though you ask him to stop, you know, and he continued to do that. It's not that easy just to get another roommate, you know. And so, how, you know, you've forgiven him, man, and, but he just keeps messing up and messing up, and you're in that daily roommate. Yep. Recognizing your roommate's got that issue. Yeah. Okay. You set your boundaries and your heart protects itself from having to continue to go through the forgiveness. You know, and I think about Anne and her situation. It's like recognizing the person. They're handicapped, right? We're all handicapped. And most of us have been that other person. Most of us have been that other person before. Most of us have been that other person who's not forgiving. So true. And, and recognize we're, we're, we're like stupid, dumb sheep. We're handicapped. Yeah. So let's keep our expectations low. Recognize, yeah, that person's got that issue for them. I'm so sorry. You know? Yep. I mean, humble ourselves, realize that, that but for the grace of God, we would do the same thing they did. Right. Otherwise, you're constantly having to put your heart into this unforgiveness mode. Yep. Why I, do we have to do that? You I don't. think, um, I think that getting to that place of having an unoffendable heart, I think it, you can get there much faster through forgiveness. The better you get at forgiving, the faster you can forgive. And I think the better you can get, you get at forgiving, the more you can just hold up the shield of faith and that thing just bounces off. And you say, no, I'm going to choose not to be offended by that thing. Now, if, if my, let's say the, my roommate was still doing that all the time and I'm like, I'm going to choose not to be offended, I'm going to choose not to be offended, I'm still going to talk to him and say, look, for my own sake, this is a hard fight for me. It would be really nice if I didn't have to hold up that shield all the time. So could you please knock it off? But he might say, forget you, man. Yeah, you're a wuss. You need, you need to grow up or man up or whatever. You know, maybe he would say that. You know? And then I would really pray for him because there's something wrong with him. He's probably really insecure. And that's why he needs to try to point out other people's insecurities so that I will feel worse than he feels about himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, this person that you're having trouble forgiving, you might be in their life to help them. <laughs> and how will we ever be able to do that if we don't fulfill that for forgiveness process with the Holy Spirit? He's like, look, you need to forgive because then you need to love them because you're the one I'm going to use to heal and sound. Um, I think we'll come back to forgiveness maybe in a few weeks and talk about it a little bit more, maybe see where we're at. Some of us are probably in process of forgiving people in our lives, and I encourage you to talk to somebody else about that. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens, right? That's part of what it means to be the church. And so if you're having a tough time forgiving someone or if you're working through that process, 
grab another Christian, somebody you love, somebody who you know you trust and they trust you, that they can help you walk through this process and keep you on track and maybe kick you in the rear end if you kind of give up partway through. Um, it's really helpful to have each other in our lives for that sort of thing. So I encourage you to do that. You can always talk to me, of course. And, yeah, we'll come back in a few weeks and see how we're all doing. I think Paul wants to say something. I'm <laughs> sensing in my spirit. You're so intuitive. <laughs> I know. I just have a great discernment gift. Is good? Amen. Thank you. I missed you. And I thought of you on Sundays and other times. Praying. Your prayers were answered. I, we had a wonderful time in Saldu, <coughs> Latvia, where Raymond with the rolled R, just like you'd say Ritiko, you'd say Raymond. Uh, he is pastor in Saldu and is head over the school that is there. The, it's a ministry base for a lot of things that take place there, one of which is a, a gathering that we had for pastors and leaders for two days, and very happy for how it went, happy uh, for teaming up with Fred Tony. Any of you know Fred Tony? Fred Tony used to sit next to me at the Holy Spirit Conference because I needed somebody who could do anything I asked at any time. And so I'd, I would say to him, in five minutes, I want you to get up and give a prophetic word. And he would do that. I was speaking there at one of the closing, uh, the second of the closing session, and I walked by him. I hadn't told him this. I walked by him, and I just went like that. And, and he knew what it meant. He leaned over to Gunther and he said, Paul wants me to give a prophetic word. I hadn't told him, but he knew. And he got up, he gave the word, and then he prayed for people because they could see that he listened to the Spirit. And so he would pray for them, sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours afterwards, until he lost his voice. And then he couldn't come for the morning session. He came for the afternoon. And on uh, last night, Friday night, I went to a wonderful banquet of EEMN. Does anyone know what those... Karen Shares, East European Mission Network, formerly under the direction of Don Richmond, a friend of mine who is my champion because he is 11 years older than I am and still doing this stuff, and I need people like that so I can verify my desire not to slow down, if anything, to speed up, and he's still doing it. He just turned over the reins officially. Uh, David has been... Uh, holding on to that for three years, and along with his wife, they get two for the price of, I don't know if you get two, or if it's two for the price of one, but uh, Angela is very gifted in administration. She worked in the corporate world, the business world, until she's doing what she's doing now, and so she knows systems, she knows organizational theory and application, so she's helping, along with this relational pastor, to put it all together, and they make a great team. So it's wonderful to see what God's doing through Eastern European missions. I've been working with them kind of on the side uh, since 1990. Did it start by then? 92. Well, I got in one year after it started. I started going to Latvia in 93. So we had good time there, and we had mixed good time, uh, good meetings in... Finland, I told you I was going there because the uh, leader of the Nokia revival had a huge moral failure that just toppled the whole thing. Those people have never come back. The people that were a part of that mission, they wonder why they're not in the churches. I think they're angry because he did not complete his need to, to fully confess to them. And so there's unresolved business. I talked to him, and he personally was doing well, and uh, I was happy for that. And then as I talked to other people, they said, no, he hasn't fulfilled his responsibility. So they're angry people who are choosing not to go anywhere, and that's real sad. So I hope he hasn't responded, which says to me that he's not agreeing with what I said. So that's, I'm going to still pray that he will give in and repent. But uh, 
Good to have you with us today, David and Angela and Diane. Yeah. And what I walked in on is one reason why house church is a plus, that you can sit together and talk about things. This is the second week in a row I came back and we were doing this, so it's, it's wonderful that we can connect together in this lively way. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Yeah. I won't be able to read that. No. I just want to find in, in Latin so you can find in your... I think it's collations. I would like to... Um, it's, it's, it's very important that... Um, <laughs> collations 4. Two to... Uh, five. I shared that on a Friday also, one of the scriptures I shared Friday on this Amen banquet. So, about praying for each other. Uh, like, like we already did, like uh, you were gone, but we were here and um, after the worship time, I got a kind of a picture about uh, some people here and I, 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 I said that and so that uh, Karen prayed for Latvian people. So it's very important that we I have experience with EMN. Uh, we, are, we have a discipleship conference where people come from the different countries. Um, like it was like five or six countries like a year ago. And then 20 more people. And then to share differences in, uh, in culture and differences in, in ministries. And, um, and then you can pray for each other. And it's very important. Like... Uh, Yesterday, I, 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 I went to see the Fred yesterday, Fred Tony. Oh, you did? They had a really amazing time. Oh, good. Uh, but but he, he said something about uh, his son, and I want to pray about his son, and mm. with another couple said about his son. They are kind of, th th those both sons, they know God, uh, but they're kind of not fully with it. Mm -hmm. And so I really have a kind of put those two sons in my heart. They are 28-year-olds kind of close, both of them, and they both named John, so it's really like there's something, and then I said, really it was in my heart to pray for them, and I will pray for them for a, for a long time, I don't know how long time, but, but and, and so, and there were kind of those two couples, they're really, you know, blessed that I said I will pray for them, so, mm -hmm. and it's kind of, kind of, you know, if you put the, each other prayer requests in our hearts, and it kind of, sometimes it's, it naturally puts in the God puts in your heart to pray. Sometimes you just put the person in the heart and then you pray. And so it's like you do it like intentionally. And then when you when you pray each other, it's kind of it's. I think that God likes that. that we like cross culturally just pray for each other. And it's 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 something like I think kind of the got more, I don't know whether it's got more, you know, listening to, to my prayer about their sons or they pray about me, I don't know, but it's kind of something that is something special about to pray. So that's what the Paul says to the Colossians about, that to pray for me so that I can speak and open the doors for as a word and so. So Christ, you know, uh, what is the secrets? And then that's in the depth of the sharing and so this is kind of the, the small thing I, I just argued that when, whenever the Paul tells something about Latvia and the things and then the people that we can pray for, that is very important. And we, this is for us very important. We know that they're in Minneapolis in this, uh, in this, uh, uh, in this place. And how church you pray for some our needs. And we can pray for our EMS. Did they pray for you this morning? 
No, they said that Paul Anderson will come. They did. You know that and then person? he would pray. He's a very good guy. And yeah. he would pray. For, okay. For me Let's pray. Let's pray for him. Whoops, what did I do? Okay, sorry about that. Wait, good catch. There's glasses down there, too. Are those? <laughs> okay, so let's pray for Ryland. If you wait, if the Lord gives you a picture, gives you an impression, you feel free to share it. Even if you don't quite understand what it is, still understand it. Lord, the generation of the Bradford children will come to you and love you. That's right. They have seen the past that they quite love. Mm -hmm. But they want a future that is solid and rooted in what they see through your pure brother. Increase the number of people, Lord, for the Yes, come on. Yes, Lord. That's true. Family issues because of brokenness, because of tyranny. Lord, we do pray that message of people who are experienced would go forth and are a blessing. That they would be fully healed, their hearts, and that they would be able to draw so many unbelievers into Jesus. Lord, I don't know what this means either, but I just feel sense that we got that support on the ground for him. I don't know if you're married or not, but I've got a picture of a woman and just that um, you need helpers and more support in your ministry to please surround them with mm -hmm. um, great people that will, will be a support in his ministry of prayer and also Great and loving Father, we made plans for Ryland when we took his, his announcement. Mm -hmm. Those plans included trying to get him into some large churches in the area. We kept receiving barriers of, of not going to those large mm -hmm. churches this morning. And that's, Lord, because we had to plan for him to be here. Mm -hmm. yes. And those large churches he would never have received the pastoral support yes. and his prayers. Mm -hmm. So Lord, this is a life-changing uh, event for many people in Rockford. Mm -hmm. 
Bless you, Brian. I'd like, I, I know it's overtime, but I'm so proud of you, Lydia House, for the way you pray and, and speak in the hearts. Could we do that for David and Angela as well? So come on up. And, uh, Can I ask for one more? Because I think the Lord is really putting this on my heart right now. So we're praying for Latvia and Going and <coughs> I heard some prayers that you have for Angela and 
this continue to go through rounds of it and strengthen as well as if it's a sewer along the field and give them all the financial needs their hearts, Jesus, in you. Um, we thank you for these people who, who live uh, the words of, um, Lord, may our hearts be broken for what took place here. And we thank you that their encouragement lifts up these people to hear and encourage them in you, in you Lord, so that they can encourage these people. Lift them up, give them great joy uh, in, in their pain of what's going on there and uh, continue to use them in powerful ways and uh, just show them so many beautiful things with your great love. And we ask for a refreshing. We pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit on flesh. In Jesus' name, give them a freshness, a newness. And Lord, I pray that they would be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That they would keep them, their eyes fixed on you, Lord. And receive your infilling and your freshness and keep them, Lord, apart from the enemy's plans. Keep them apart from the enemy's plans that, that they would just solely fix their eyes on you and hear your voice and no other in Jesus' name. Thank you. 
Catch it, take it for yourself, to, to give to others. We're, we're blessed, according to the Bible, to bless others. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.